Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. This episode is with Selena Barker, who is no stranger to the Control-Alt-Delete podcast she's been on before. She is an author, life design coach, and all-round brilliant human, and just so happens to have been my life coach for the past year. This is a special episode because this is a recording from her live virtual launch event for her book, Burnt Out. The Exhausted Person's Guide to Thriving in a Fast-Paced Digital World. I feel like this book was literally written for me, probably all of us. It's a no-nonsense practical guide to thriving in this modern world. And if you're feeling burnt out or frazzled, it really is the toolkit to help you get back on your feet and learn what ingredients you're missing or you need more of and how to just live a better day-to-day no matter how busy life gets. Selena really is the master of giving these really powerful prompts to help you see where you can make the smallest of tweaks that can really change your day-to-day and that is exactly what she's done for me. We discuss burnout in this episode of course, how to use the energy we have available to us, why rest is so important and how to design a life we love. I hope you enjoy this chat, I definitely did and it was a real honour to be part of Selena's launch event. Here is the episode with Selena. Sorry if you've heard this before, but last year, contacted Selena. We'd sort of, you know, chatted before, met up before, but I was frazzled and I knew I needed your help. So you've coached me through this year. You've coached a lot of people through this year. And you honestly are the real deal when it comes to helping people stave off burnout, get back to being themselves, design the lives they love. You're the best. So thank you for this book. I wanted to start (laughs) off by asking you, what burnout means because I feel like before we launch into this conversation we should define our terms because I think it's become one of those words that people use when they're slightly tired but I feel like burnout is of itself a whole different thing so shall we start off with that? So burnout happens basically when your body and your brain have been worked so hard and have been under so much pressure and experiencing so much stress for a prolonged period of time that they basically quit and they just kind of go on strike. And you, the, the main symptom is deep, is kind of bone deep exhaustion, but there are also a real range of symptoms. So you, you burn out on, on the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual level. And so it can look different ways to different people, but the main thing is obviously the real, the deep exhaustion being brain frazzled, if you're mentally burnt out, you'll suddenly start to feel like you can't really process information. You start to feel overwhelmed if you're making any kind of decision. So when it used to happen to me, I'd get mini burnouts for a period of time. I would suddenly find the smallest decision like what to have for dinner or what gift to buy a friend could bring me close to tears because suddenly it just felt too much. The biggest theme I think that goes with burnout is also a feeling that you just can't cope anymore. And emotional burnout, which I think a lot of people have been experiencing over the past year, that comes with, can come with a compassion fatigue. So it's often really caring people, it happens a lot to people in caring professions. So I would say, I'd be surprised if most frontline workers this year aren't completely, you know, emotionally burnt out. So normally caring people are suddenly feeling like they don't care about the people they're supposed to care about. You can experience cynicism, 
overwhelm, anxiety. You can also kind of experience suddenly um, a loss of confidence, feeling like you can't do a job that you once really good at doing. And also sometimes even questioning whether that's even, maybe this isn't the work for me anymore, when actually once it was something you were really passionate about. So it comes in all sorts of, with all sorts of different symptoms. And you can also have what I call mini burnouts, which is what I used to get, which would happen kind of two or three times a year. And I would just suddenly, it was like a fuse had gone in my brain, completely brain frazzled and overwhelmed and exhausted. And I literally once found myself trying to choose a packet of crisps just to like get me home and feeling close to tears because I couldn't decide which packet of crisps to choose. And so those mini burnouts can usually, can sometimes take a weekend or maybe a couple of weeks just going gently to kind of recover your energy. But then on the other side, you can have the real big burnouts and those can take require you being signed off work for a couple of weeks or even a few months to recover from mm-hmm. and they can take time and another actually common thing is also having panic attacks um making sort of silly mistakes you wouldn't normally make like locking yourself out of your house uh missing the train going to the wrong stop like little things like that also people can often find they start getting ill a lot more because their immune system is down um and also having weird accidents, which literally knock people oh, off their feet and force them into bed. What What was interesting about when we met up and I was telling you how confused I was and how I didn't like my job anymore. And it was all these things that actually were disguised within burnout. It's only now that I realise I was burnt out. So the signs can be quite confusing, I think. Yeah, I think that happens a lot. As people often say, they realise looking back Oh, actually, no, I think I was quite burnt out. And I have people coming to me, I have friends that have come to me and said, I'm feeling really exhausted. I feel like I'm chasing my tail. I feel really overwhelmed with everything I've got on. And this has been going on for quite a while. Do you think that's burnout? And I'm like, sounds pretty much like it's burnout. But I also think people can, someone said to me the other day, she'd been resisting admitting that she was burnt out. And it was only until her doctor said, you need to take time off work that she finally had to admit that she probably was burnt out. And I think what happens is sometimes we misinterpret burnout as as us failing in some way. It's like we get a sense of, oh, everyone else is juggling and they're managing it and they're not burning out. So what, you know, Mm. why can't I cope? And so it's, that's why it's, it's a really important, it's really important to me to keep putting that message across that burnout isn't a sign of failure. It's not that, you know, you weren't able to, manage the juggle what everyone else has that's so come through that this is not your fault you have not failed burnout is probably coming for all of us at some point in our lives if we don't learn the tools in this book you know we've just all had a bit of a crazy year and you know obviously if you're working long hours in the NHS you're going to be really burnt out like in a deep way that maybe someone working on a laptop you know mentally it will be a different type of burnout, but it's okay for us to talk about all types of burnout and not make ourselves feel bad because, you know, we should be doing better. Exactly. Well, there was a lot of that happening this year or the past 12 months is that people who felt that, well, I'm one of the lucky ones, you know, I shouldn't complain. And so trying to pretend that they were fine because they felt like they didn't have reason enough to be struggling with a global pandemic and Black Lives Matter and all the racism that was bubbling to the surface and all these huge things that have, you know, people have been having to deal with, you know, too many people were sort of saying, well, you know, but I'm lucky I shouldn't, I shouldn't complain. I should be all right. And actually, I think, I mean, everyone's been struggling with this. So I think 
Yeah, I think what we're seeing is emotion is a lot of emotional burnout and a lot of people perhaps not recognizing it. And I feel like we're going into now as lockdown starts lifting, we need we're going to go into a necessary sort of chapter of yeah. recovery, rest and recovery. Yes, we're excited to see our friends. Yes, we're excited to go to restaurants when they open and go out and but actually with that, I think we need to be quite gentle with ourselves and recognize that we are this has really taken its toll. And that is what burnout is. It's just, you know, and the stress levels and the anxiety and, and the fear and the uncertainty, that's had a lot of us living in an almost permanent state of fight or flight. And that is ultimately what causes burnout, being in, um, you know, a prolonged period of, of, being, yeah. of being stressed. In the acknowledgement section, which people who listen to my podcast will be like, Emma's banging on about the acknowledgements again. But they're my, one of my favorite bits in a book where I get to see about, you know, the personal message at the end and who you've thanked. And you say that this book, writing this book changed your life. If this is a personal book, yeah. this is you living and breathing it. You're not just dishing things out to others like you, you live your work and we get to see it in you. So would you be able to talk a bit about that? Yeah, it did. It was, it's really the section on managing your energy, which that was the part that was such a game changer for me. So I have become, I would say I've been quite, I've been, I've been good at looking after myself over the past few years and sort of take me 10 years back and I wasn't good at it at all. I didn't even just really understand the concept of well-being. I thought it was like what other people did. Now I'm pretty good at it. However, it was this idea of managing your energy. And the two biggest things for me were the, the importance of exercise, which I have resisted doing exercise for most of my adult life. I just felt like I had, I was already feeling tired a lot of the time with everything I had going on. And I didn't feel like I had enough time with everything that I was doing. So the last thing I need, I was, you know, I felt like the last thing I'm going to be able to do is suddenly find the energy to exercise, to go for a run. And it was largely my partner Fonz who kept saying, if you're so tired, you probably need to go for a run. I just didn't understand. I had no notion that actually doing exercise gives you energy. And so that was one of the biggest ones. And that's what I started in, in writing the book. And during lockdown, I started doing exercise and I discovered how much more energy it gives you and it actually helps you to increase your capacity. So I was able to, on days where I would, also having breaks is really important. So on days that I was writing the book, when I got started at 11, finished at three, if I did exercise for 25 minutes, I'd have the energy for another two hours of writing. If I didn't, forget it. Those, those final two hours were kind of me shuffling papers and scrolling and not really doing anything. So I discovered, I, I kind of, discover this understanding of how our bodies actually work in terms of you know energy that it completely blew my mind also it helped me to manage what I didn't realize I had which was a smartphone addiction so and so I really got a handle on that and yeah that made a massive difference that really calmed me down and also freed up a lot of time I hadn't don't think I realized how much time I spent scrolling and using up sort of free time yeah. on my phone. So it's it's made a massive difference. I honestly feel more grounded, more calm, and more able to focus now than I ever have done, even before I had became a parent. So to be able to say that as a parent and during a global pandemic. I remember 
working in a magazine and there was this national campaign, like billboards everywhere to get people to take a lunch break. It was like a whole thing. It's like, what? how have we got to this point where we need to campaign for people to take a lunch break? We are, I think we're so obsessed with time and we see ourselves like it, we see ourselves as machines. So we treat ourselves like machines. So if you think in a factory, the more time you have the machine on producing whatever product it's making, the more of that product it will produce. And so somehow along the way, we decided that human beings were exactly the same. So the more time that you spend doing work, the more that you will produce. And it's literally the opposite. If you don't take breaks, there's so many studies on this. And this is the kind of stuff I really got into researching. There's so many studies that show that if you take the people that take a break roughly every hour and a half or two hours, take anything between a five and 20 minute break, by the end of the day, are going to have produced more work and a better quality of work than their colleagues who have valiantly carried on skipping their lunch, not needing a break, just having a coffee, staying at their desk, you know, furiously, urgently working away. They might think they're going to be producing more work like a machine but they're not. And one of the biggest influences for me was um, Tony Schwartz and Jim Lower who wrote uh, the book, The Power of Full Engagement. And they talk about how we need to return to understanding that human beings, we have rhythms and we're affected by the seasons. And you know, if you've got a womb by a menstrual cycle and we also have our Trudean rhythms throughout the day, we are supposed to have a rhythm. We are supposed to ebb and flow. We're supposed to work and then rest and then work and then rest. And that's how we're at our optimum. And what was so exciting for me in researching this book was discovering that the ingredients we need to thrive are the exact same ingredients we actually need to be at our most productive and do our best work. And that was when I was like, oh, this is exciting because it's I was now understanding what Olympic athletes do to manage their energy and realizing we can learn from this. And it was at that point that also then my ego was really on board because the problem with self-care, and it's so interesting because I did a big survey of people who, who were burnt out. And one of the questions I asked was, what, what are the things you know help you to feel better? And they'd list them. And then I say, which of those things are you doing now? And invariably they'd say, to be honest, I'm not doing any of them. So we understand, we know what we need to do for our self-care. But I think sometimes, a lot of the time, people who burn out are ambitious people. They're ambitious for their work, or maybe they're ambitious about being a good parent at home, or ambitious about making a, a difference in the world, about being a good partner, good friend. So you kind of, I think you need to bring your ego on board for it to really take the self-care stuff seriously and put it up your list of priority. So as soon as you start telling yourself all these ingredients you need to feel good are also the same ingredients you need to be at your most productive and do your best work, then like egos on board as well. And that was the bit that for me was like, that was also the big life-changing bit for me because yeah, it was a whole new framework for self-care that I could start to really understand. I remember you saying to me, when do you rest that's not sleeping? And I literally went silent. I was like, what? You mean rest in the day? And obviously we need to rest. Sleep is not the only time that our bodies, you know, rest and recover. We need to do it with our eyes open. And what are some of the practical tips that you enjoyed writing about in the book for people to kind of put more rest into their day? 
Um, <laughs> buy a hammock. <laughs> I know that you encourage an afternoon in bath. In the summer. <laughs> I have to say, I hardly ever take an afternoon bath, but if you can, then that's amazing. Um, in fact, Vicky, my pod wife over at Project Love, she loves a morning bath if you really want to get take things to the next level but actually there's a there's a always this saying that you know self-care is more than a bubble bath which obviously it is but actually one of the things I found that there's scientific reasons why a hot bath is really good for you and actually releases oxytocin which is the love hormone which you get when you have sex or apparently when you give birth I don't think I had much of that when I was giving birth but and then you know when you have cuddles for example so it's like the cuddle hormone and um, which is why, so yeah, hot baths, really good for relaxing and resting. Naps, if you can get into naps, they're a good idea. Going for walks, being out in nature, you know, doing things that help you to get into, cultivate a calm state. So, you know, it could be things like drawing. It could be things like um, just lying on your bed and staring at the ceiling, you know, and really allowing your body to relax. Things like yoga nidra, anything you could think of but honestly the best thing I did was to spend a lot more time (laughs) in a hammock over the summer it's not quite so manageable in the winter but that just allowing my body to really be held and really relax and that's really what I found in writing this book is there's nothing in here really that you're learning anything new there are very few things where you're having to learn anything that you don't already know how to do and so it's actually just realizing how many things that are around us that are within reach that we can do that can really help us to relax and rest and keep our energy, reclaim our energy and then keep that energy topped up. And I think that's key. I think what's been amazing is working with people, um, helping them to recover from burnout is how much it's down to just the small stuff. You know, for some people it, it is exercise, cutting down on alcohol. For others, it's taking up a hobby doing something that brings them joy, that allows them to be creative, that allows them to be playful. For others, it's getting more of a balance, doing, spending less of a focus on work and making sure they really cultivate their friendships and spend quality time with the people that they love. You encourage people to get to know themselves a bit better because we're all so different. And I think that's the interesting thing about burnout is I know that, you know, the extrovert introvert thing is a little bit maybe simplified but we're all different and we all get our energies from different things and that's what I loved about this book is I really got to learn more about myself and what fills me up and it reminds me actually of when I I came to you when I was really burnt out and I was like right well I'll I'll stop doing everything then I'll stop writing I'm gonna stop um I'm gonna stop (laughs) you know seeing people in the evenings I need to rest and you were like you know that rest doesn't mean cutting out everything fun in your life right (laughs) And I got really confused. <laughs> you were going <laughs> You were going off for a holiday and you were gonna switch, like do a total detox and switch everything off. And I was just like, you kind of look a bit terrified at the prospect of that. And you were like, I don't I am, I'm scared. And it was like you you seem to think that you were gonna have to just sit in a void <laughs> of nothingness in yeah. order to switch off. And actually switching off, you're not, it's a misleading, it's a misleading term because you're not literally switching yourself off again, like a machine. What you're off, what you're doing is you're actually switching from your left brain to your right brain. And you're pressing pause on the to-do list and pressing pause on, you know, some of the responsibilities that 
you know, feel pressured or the things that are, you know, causing you sort of stress and you're doing things that are enjoyable and that allow your you to move into the right side of the brain. So creativity, play, all these things that we sort of think, oh, I'll do it when I have time, almost consider a bit frivolous. Those are the things that we need to start taking seriously and recognizing that they are an essential part. If we're going to talk about productivity, that they are an essential part of being your most productive. You know, moving away from this idea that we're a machine, it's just about how many hours you put in and starting to recognize that it's the, the more productive you, if you want to be productive and do your best work, then you really need to start bringing rest and play and creativity into your life and dedicating time to them. So actually that that month you took away, it was like, hang on, what are all the things that you would love to do that you don't normally get to do because you're always yeah. focused on work, like reading novels? You're just doing it for yourself because it's nourishing you from the inside. And this is the thing that we are in a society that values our output and we don't value the what's going on on the inside, the input. But actually when you're switching off, it is about nourishing yourself, focusing on you. And that's the beginning of the journey where you have to start looking inwards and actually starting to explore what your intrinsic values are, what you value on the inside and how you want to feel and starting to design a life from there based on how you want to feel and what you want to cultivate in your life. So I think it's, yeah, there's a lot of outside factors that are causing people to burn out as well as the inner stuff, you know, that inner shitty committee that's putting the pressure on. It can, it can come from definitely from, from both angles. Yeah, I mean, my inner optimist, even though it's hard to be an optimist at the moment, um, is saying, I hope eyes have been opened to the ridiculous cult working culture that we're in and how the hours that people worked over lockdown working from home, you know, can we go into a new era when this is over? Can, you know, I hope we can. But what's been interesting about the topic of burnout is there's so many books on the theory of burnout like these really fat thick books on with tiny <laughs> words talking about why we're burnt out why millennials are burnt out and here comes your book to save us all because it's practical you know this is going to help you and I love that there are pages in the book that you can flip to and almost have an emergency emergency advice and is that what you wanted yes. to do burnout sos yeah, because there, there is, there are brilliant books out there on burnout. There's brilliant research. There are huge amounts of academic papers on burnout. And that's really valuable, for example, you know, for organizations um, to be understanding what's going on, what's causing it, what organizations and companies can do um, to help support, you know, to create a thriving culture and not one that burns people out. But when you're burnt out, the last thing you need to be doing is filling your head. Like That's not what you need to know. So I did do all this research into what's causing burnout. And right at the start, I like list a whole load of things that, you know, causing burnout, everything from toxic work culture, systemic racism, the patriarchy, the fact that we treat ourselves like machines. And I was like, you know, is it that? Is it this? Is it that? And after about six months of researching, I was like, yeah, it's all of those things and more. Um, but what I wanted to do with this book, I definitely address those things. But what I wanted to do is meet the person where they're at when they're feeling exhausted and overwhelmed and keep it simple 
and help them go step by step to the part of the book they most need. And in fact, the Burnout SOS says, if you're feeling really burnt out right now, I don't want you to go any further. Just read this section on what to do next, which is literally like, (laughs) take your shoes off, get into bed, cancel your plans, you know, just really take it slow and only continue reading this book when you're starting to feel like you can cope a bit more and you're starting to get some of your energy back because the last thing you need to do, and actually by that point, if you're really brain frazzled, you probably can't absorb that much information. What what do you want people to take away? What's like the one thing you would hope people take away from this book and actually implement into their daily lives, would you say? That's a good question. I think it's more really recognizing that if you're feeling burnt out it's really common to feel really trapped and that this is just maybe this is just how it is they hear a lot of that maybe this is just how it is and I just need to get through this and there's often feel a real feeling of helplessness that actually there isn't anything I can do and I really really want people to go away from having read the book realizing that there are small things that you can do I work with people who have their plates so overloaded with family responsibilities and work stuff. And I see them making these tiny little, crafting out these tiny little moments in the week or in the day for themselves, two minute moments or like, you know, half an hour, one evening a week to like do a yoga nidra or something like that. And it really, and prioritizing things like exercise, managing it even like the kids are playing around them and they're like doing their hit workout on the small little mat that they can manage. And it really does make a difference. I got an amazing email from a client this week saying that she put in these small differences, made these small changes, and she was starting to feel like herself again. And it really was making a difference. And I think sometimes burnout, it does make you realize that actually mm-hmm. I need a change of career or I'm done with working for organizations and companies that treat me as lesser than. I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to go and start off my own thing and create my own table and be the leader of that and a lot of people make that change and find so much fulfillment in doing it's a scary step to do for sure but you can get so much more freedom and flexibility and fulfillment by working for yourself you and I both advocates for that if it works for you but sometimes it can require or sometimes it's just a job change like if you've got a crappy boss or someone who treat you know you don't feel good in the the environment that you're in, leave them. They don't deserve you. So sometimes, you know, it can, it can require those bigger changes, but in terms of getting your energy back and starting to feel like you can cope, there are small little things that you can do. Mm -hmm. And the book is full of them that will start to make a big difference and that can ultimately be quite life-changing. And so that's what I really want people to go away with is realizing that they can feel better. Love that. I'm, I've got one more question, but if anyone has a question for Selena, please do post a question and then we can ask them at the end. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk just lastly about that, about we haven't really spoken about setting boundaries, but that came up a lot in, in our conversations about burnout. And it shouldn't have to be like an act of rebellion to uh, tell people to stop emailing you after 9pm or whatever ridiculous time people email or shouldn't be that much of a rebellion to go and have a little afternoon nap or you know this is like very simple stuff but we feel that we can't do it 
I don't know. Do you have anything to say on boundaries? If people are really frightened to do it, because it, you know, for people pleasers out there, it's really hard to say no. And I think <laughs> burnout comes from not being able to say yeah. no sometimes. Yeah. So definitely, overgivers. One of the burnout archetypes is the overgiver who just wants to give and give and give. And the, you know, the burnout archetype is like I call it the shadow side of your superpower. So that overgiver, when they're in their full power, is an incredibly generous and compassionate person who does give a lot of love and and you know puts you know beautiful things out out into the world. But if they keep giving and giving and giving and thinking that they have a limitless bottomless pit of energy to keep being able to give to everyone and they therefore are so tied up in that identity of I'm a giving good giving person then they're very like they're also a people pleaser so the idea of saying no goes completely against their identity and their ego and it feels horrifying and and you and I've talked about this before it's like um and I I talk about this on the project love podcast is like say no and then Vicky said it actually say no and then sit on your hands don't say no and then be like oh but I could probably do it next week and actually I've said to you before before saying yes sit on your hands because it's usually at the laptop right so it's like oh I should no sit on your hands and wait do you have the capacity for this? How much time is it going to take? Do you have the energy for that? And actually, that's a really important, what we need to start doing is looking, acknowledging that we have a limited amount of energy. We do. And we operate as if we have endless energy. And so if we can fit it into our calendar, if we can fit it onto our to-do list, mm-hmm. we should be able to do it. And that's why we need to start managing our energy and not our time. We need to allow for our energy capacity to dictate what we can and can't do. And we just have to get comfortable saying no to people. Like you don't have to be no and be rude. And if people can't handle you saying no, then that is, they can do the work that they need to do to, to be able to handle receiving a no. Well, thank you so much for this book and for your time. Thank you, Emma. 